everyone. I'm Georgia Scott. And I'm Chloe Young. And we are the co-founders and executive directors of EcoCircle International. Today we are here with Ashlyn Preswicki, an eco-ethical event producer and designer, founder of Threaded and director at Fashion Revolution USA. So hello, thank you so much for joining us today. First of all, Ashlyn, could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, my name is Ashlyn. I am an eco-ethical uh, event producer and designer and social entrepreneur. I work at the intersection of events and design, which combines a lot of my passions for cultivating and designing interactive and connective spaces, but also my pursuit of creating a positive social and environmental impact. I found my way into this work, uh, sort of just falling into it. Um, I have a background in um, communications and uh, social advocacy, as well as costume design. And so I found my way into the sustainable and ethical fashion space um, just by noticing the amount of waste that was coming out of the costume shops that I was working in. And that led me to research more about, you know, textile waste, which of course, as many of us who go down the sustainability and ethics pathway find that everything is interconnected. One thing leads to the other. And then of course, I found a lot of the uh, interconnections with the fashion industry and waste and also, um, you know, gender issues around women's rights and um, ethical practices. And so as I was kind of on this journey of self-discovery, I found um, Fashion Revolution in the wake of the Rana Plaza garment factory collapse that happened in Bangladesh. And that opened my eyes up to the plethora of issues that are happening and occurring all around us in the fashion industry that are often quite hidden. And so I jumped at the opportunity to volunteer for Fashion Revolution over five years ago and have slowly uh, made my way um, hosting events that are educational and also connective and thus bringing everything sort of together. And now I've been able to um, kind of move around in the organization and serving my volunteer time in operations and community. So it all sort of interconnects and I, I never imagined that all of these um, passion areas and skills and interests and making um, a positive impact could come together. Yeah, that's amazing. And I especially like what you said about how like one thing leads to another, right? Everything is so interconnected. And George and I find that a lot in sustainability. Everything really is interconnected. Um, so I know you mentioned Threaded. So can you just tell us a bit more about what Threaded is? Absolutely. So uh, Threaded is a community-driven uh, fashion-focused platform that really focuses on independent creators, brands, and visionaries, and connecting them together to create actionable steps to drive change at a local level. When I was working with Fashion Revolution, what I was finding um, as the coordinator for the Midwest region, I'm located in Minneapolis, and a lot of people would reach out to me and ask, you know, are there any 
people working in sustainability and fashion here in the Midwest? And where can I find brands? Where can I find designers? Um, and there wasn't really a place for all of those things to, to be found or an easy place uh, to access this information. And being a coordinator at Fashion Revolution, I could really see all of the people that were actually doing these really amazing, impactful things. But it was very quiet because a lot of the industry focus is in LA or New York City, which are the traditional fashion cities. But there's so much happening across the US that many people just aren't aware of. And so, I decided to uh, publish a directory of all of the amazing brands and businesses and activists and designers that I knew of so that other people could find each other. It was ultimately my goal to be a tool to connect people, to help use their voices, uh, to make fashion a tool for good. And so, Threaded was born um, out of the passion for sharing ideas and stories. So we do a lot of storytelling and interviewing of smaller brands or designers or artists or activists, and then try to create opportunities for us to come together and learn. We have an annual summit and we do a lot of small events and pop-ups and, and really just try to make these things visible in communities that think that sustainable fashion doesn't exist in their area, um, because that's usually uh, likely very untrue. Definitely, and that's a huge benefit with being like community-based and grassroots, is it really does allow people to get their voices heard, and also just with the like consumers of the information on this platform, it makes it seem a lot more personal, and it's a lot more engaging for people, and that's something we try our best to do a lot in ECI, is really engage with people on a personal level and try to connect with them in their community um, because especially you see this a lot with these huge organizations um, that do amazing things such as you come out with fashion revolution or even looking at different international organizations such as like world wildlife fund or greenpeace you know if you send them an email asking oh can you give me advice on this specific area they're never going to be able to tell you because they work on such a large scale where Whereas this is a huge benefit with these smaller, more local organizations is it really does allow people to personally connect with the movement, with, especially with sustainability, that's so important to be able to connect on a personal level. Because it's something that you are doing in your day-to-day -day life. It's not something that you donate to and it can help someone across the world, which it still can, but it really doesn't also involve individual changes in your day-to-day -day life that must happen in your local community. And so also we've touched a bit on fashion and ethical fashion. And could you please expand on what fast fashion is, which is a term that we speak about quite a lot. But what exactly is wrong with fast fashion? Absolutely. I think you um, nailed it on the head when you talked a lot about the personalization of sustainability and, and that connection. And I think fast fashion has us very disconnected from who makes our clothes, that people make our clothes and all of the impacts that it ha it has and all of the hands that it touches along the way. And so fast fashion is, um, you know, a model of creating fashion that has occurred over, you know, the last 
few decades. And it's meant to be, you know, inexpensive, cheaply made, produced at a rapid rate um, to get fashion on the market as quickly as possible. Um, and so it, you know, is designed to fall apart. It is contributing to throwaway culture and overconsumption. And it really just pushes us to want more, more quickly, um, and, and disconnecting us from the process of um, where fashion came from as its traditional art form. So there's a lot of environmental issues when it comes to fast fashion, textile waste, um, you know, it, it, disposability. Um, it's not made to last. And so people end up throwing it away because it's ripped or, you know, it, it won't it won't work anymore. And so we end up throwing that away in the landfill. There's a lot of uh, water pollution, chemical dyeing, um, plastics in our clothing, microplastics, um, fast fashion. Also, because it has to be made so quickly, um, you know, somebody's paying for that somewhere. Um, and it often happens to be the people making the clothing. So there's a lot of unsafe labor conditions. Um, Sweatshops are found um, in LA, in you know overseas, and people end up working long hours for very low wages. And so there's there's just a lot of um, compounding issues that that come from our desire to have things quickly, cheaply, um, and um, you know disposable. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you mentioned about how like these clothes, they really don't last. It's such a big thing to think about because extending the life cycle of a piece of clothing is so important in reducing its impact, specifically with climate change. And if a if an item is being made in a way where you can't extend that life, I mean, there are numerous issues that come from that. And so you touched on like fast fashion brands are made cheaply. They're made, um, it's often really cheap for the consumer as well. So how can consumers identify these clothing brands and avoid it? Mm. So fast fashion brands um, are identifiable in the way that they are both like how often are they marketing to you? So they often have really large marketing budgets. So there's a lot of ads. There's a lot of um, targeting trendy pieces or um, just very, very quick to move from the runway to, to your closet. And so I think about fast fashion in, in the obvious ways of, you know, really large uh, department type stores, um, big box retailers. I know the obvious ones are, you know, H&M and Zara, that they produce things very quickly and uh, their prices are extremely low. But I think we can see fast fashion models all over the place. And so things to look for are prices, you know, how cheap is it? Um, and then just like looking at how much you're being marketed to the trendy factor of it, the quality of the garments. If you can tell that a garment by, you know, holding it in your hand and, and testing out the fabrics, like how thin is it? How, 
how are the seams looking? Are they, you know, kind of haphazard and, and just sort of identifying um, some, some very obvious and intuitive um, like types of approaches. Yeah, it was funny the other day someone had recommended me like a website for clothes. So I went on and I was like scrolling down in the bottom, you know, there's normally the little sustainability tab at the bottom. And just before I found that button, um, there were big words saying new styles every day. And I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be good. I'm like, there we go. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, yeah, the types of things to kind of watch out for be, beyond the obvious. Um, so now we're kind of digging into that next layer of how much are they feeding us and how much are they telling us we need to buy more yeah. and how often. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the more you actively try to make this connection, try to identify, the more obvious it will become. And then you were talking about the disconnect we have with the production of clothing. And I think we've seen this a lot as we further disconnect from nature as a society and we further disconnect from the production system. You know, we see this a lot in food production. Um, Chloe and I, we were running workshops with young children, asking them where their food came from. And we had some quite shocking answers that unfortunately we already expected. And it's just about really developing this connection because you talk, people talk about the unethical, unethical conditions, both for um, workers and for animals within the food production system. But the thing is, it's so difficult for consumers to make this connection because they don't even know where their food is coming from. And the same goes for the fashion industry. The more you actively try to connect with where your clothing is coming from, just simply by researching or op researching these things or opening your eyes up to it more, the more obvious it will become. And also like the food industry, I think um, brands that are actively trying to become more sustainable will be very obvious about this in advertiser and this does play into greenwashing as well you know just because a brand says it's sustainable doesn't necessarily mean it's sustainable but i think brands aren't necessarily hiding if their clothing was made in a sustainable way so i think that's a better way um or should i say easier way to spot i guess the beginning of ethical fashion and building on that could you expand on what ethical fashion entails absolutely so there's a lot of buzzwords just like in the food systems and all of these other spaces of sustainability that fashion is navigating. Um, ethical fashion is sort of an umbrella term that's currently used to describe the design process, the production, retail, purchasing. It covers um, it covers more of the, the labor rights side of things when we think about the ethics of things and what what do the working conditions look like? Um, is there you know exploitation? Is there you know sustainable production? Um, fair trade principles? Are people being paid a living wage in their um, in their work? Um, is there transparency in in the production as well? And I think um, you hear ethical facts fashion, which talks a lot about the labor side of things, the people behind the production, and then you hear a lot about sustainability um, and sustainable fashion, which talks a lot more about the environmental impacts, like we had talked about before, you know, water, pollution, CO2, waste. 
Um, and then the concept of slow fashion. So sort of that opposite of fast fashion is just like slowing down overall, similar to slow food. You know, how are we looking at the future of textile and clothing sectors um, that respects workers and the environment? Um, and I think a lot of that is in the pace of production and the pace of consumption as well. And I think the reason that it is important right now to, to distinguish between ethical fashion and sustainable fashion is touching on that greenwashing that you had talked about a little bit earlier with brands is a lot of those big um, box brands or a lot of brands are jumping on the sustainability bandwagon right now and saying, you know, we're going to switch a lot of our production to organic cotton and we're going to, you know, jump onto these sustainability platforms or, you know, initiatives, but they don't acknowledge the labor side of the work that they're doing. Um, and how does that fit into their production? Often to keep prices low, they can still be more sustainable, but that doesn't mean that they're paying a living wage or fairly. And so talking about ethics and sustainability at the same time is critical in, in kind of calling out that greenwashing um, because you can't really have one without acknowledging the other. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, a lot of times the words are kind of used interchangeably, which is an issue because they are, like you were saying, two different things, you know, something can be sustainable, but not ethical. And it's so important to focus on both things at the same time. Um, and yeah, no, greenwashing, I found especially recently with the internet has been such a huge problem because every website has a sustain sustainability tab at the bottom. Everyone has it. And at first glance, if you just look at it, you're like, oh, wow, they're super great. You know, they're helping the environment. They're great to their workers, but that they're not, you know? And I found that a lot of people, I mean, I've even had like family members say something like, oh, look at this ethical brand. And then I'll look it up. I'm like, good on you. It's, it's not, it's not a great brand. They're, they're actually pretty bad. So I, th I think the entire really industry and consumers as well need to become more aware what things actually mean, you know? Um, so can you um, expand a bit? I know you touched on like disposability and textile waste, but can you expand a bit on the intersections between the fashion industry and environmentalism? Absolutely. Thinking about some of those areas of um, how fashion impacts and I think it touches a little bit on almost every aspect of um, our, the sustainability issues that we see, whether you know it is that textile waste or CO2. Um, the industry overall is one of the greatest contributors to you know pollution and um, waste and all of that. Um, and so, thinking about textile waste, for example the average person throws away anywhere between you know 60 to 70 pounds of clothing and other textiles every year a lot of that is able to be recycled um, but most people don't have access to somewhere to recycle them or um, know that that is an option and so often things are just you know thrown away and thinking about the production side of textiles that many consumers don't see um, which is what what led me to start my own sustainability journey was 
you know, dead stock or the cuttings from um, how our clothing is made in factories. So often there are like scraps of fabric that never make it off of the factory floor that just get thrown away. And that adds up quite a bit over time. And so there's a lot of waste in the internal supply chain that we never ever see as consumers. Um, thinking about, you know, CO2 emissions, there's a lot of, um, you know, just offset that the, um, the supply chain has on um, just emissions from the, the travel that it does. Uh, many people also don't realize how many hands and how many places uh, fashion travels before it gets to the shop where they buy it. So looking at where the cotton was grown and then where the yarn is, you know, spun and then where it's sewn and then where it's put together and all of these places often will travel from one country to the other across the globe. Um, and I know the fashion industry is responsible for somewhere around like eight to 10% of global CO2 emissions. Um, and I think that was mentioned in the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's uh, latest report. And so that's just something that we never think about is the supply chain and how much fashion travels. Thinking um, a lot about water, um, I know that there is a lot of issues around chemical dyeing, um, polluting water. Uh, there's not a lot of regulations around that in other countries. And so there's a lot of dumping that happens. Toxins are making their way into water. Uh, and the, another issue that we are just starting to discover is, you know, microplastics, which I know um, is still newer and there's a lot of research that's going into that um, where our clothing has you know plastic woven into the fabrics when we look at you know the tags of our clothing and it says you know 50% polyester 50% nylon we never question what those things are but they are petroleum based and all of that has to go somewhere when we wash it and it's going into our water streams. And, you know, even finding those tiny microplastics in the ocean, in the fish, um, and it's just really infiltrating everywhere that we're not able to see. And so we're still discovering the impacts of that because it's a new issue that we hadn't really even thought about. And we thought we were being innovative um, by adding plastic to uh, add stretch to our garments and are discovering maybe that wasn't the right choice. And so it's, it touches so many places. Um, and I'd be curious to hear what, you know, what things uh, you're thinking about when it comes to your work and the environmentalism um, aspects as well. Definitely. I was just thinking about when you touched on water consumption um, within the fashion industry is not something you really think about. And this goes back to connecting with the items of clothing that we are wearing, you know, plastics. If you t tell someone that they are basically wearing plastic with, within a lot of their clothes, especially fast fashion clothing items, people go, what? what do you mean? Because when we think of plastic, it's like you're not wearing a plastic water bottle. People don't immediately register that in your clothing containing 
plastic, for example, like when you get a t-shirt, you're not thinking, oh, I wonder how much water this t-shirt has consumed because, you know, the t-shirt's not drinking water. It's not something that immediately registers in our mind, yet the fashion industry is the second biggest industry for pollution of clean water. 20% of industrial water pollution comes from treating and dyeing textiles, and it takes 700 gallons of water to produce enough cotton for just one t-shirt. So thinking about things like that, it's not something that we initially think of, but this has huge impacts on the environment and especially the health of the local areas that are producing this clothing. You know, what is happening to that water that is being polluted, you know, with the dyes from the textiles or microplastics and even more. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, more general than that, I think there's a whole lack of knowledge around what fast fashion is as a whole, because you'd be surprised the amount of people that have asked me just what is fast fashion. So, you know, more general than the water consumption, the textile waste and everything, just people don't know what it is. And I don't think it's necessarily their fault at all. I think as a society, we really need to be able to come to terms with these things. And it's similar in a way, like in the food industry, people don't think about the water consumption with meat, but people know a bit more about that. But with fashion, I just think there's a huge gap in knowledge within intelligent, well-educated people as well. Um, and it's something that as a society, we really do need to improve on. Um, so can you talk a bit more about like who is responsible for the impact of the fast fashion industry? Is it the producers, the consumers, both? Yeah, that's a great question. And I always try to welcome people into the conversation who haven't heard of this before. And I think you're spot on in saying that there are still so many people who've never been exposed to this information. And it's not, a, you know, by fault of theirs, because the way that we've been marketed to, the way that brands and, you know, trillion dollar fashion businesses they don't want you to know about these things. Um, even some, you know, government structures are built on more capitalist and expansive growth practices. And the more people slow down and buy less and buy more thoughtfully, the less dollars are flowing into these large corporations and businesses. And so I... I hesitate to blame anyone and say that anyone specifically is responsible for these impacts because it is a culmination of a lot of things. Individuals are over-consuming. I think as a culture, everywhere we're over-consuming. Um, and fashion is, of course, one of those areas that um, that is seeing that exponential overconsumption. And I think it is on us as consumers. Um, and I want to continue to push for the, you know, to push us away from the idea of being a consumer and being more of a citizen. So how do we really reimagine our relationship with our things um, and, and buy more thoughtfully and responsibly and ask more questions and just slow down overall. But also on the other side of things, it you know, is up to the brands to hold up their end of being responsible um, and being responsible for their impact of the products that they're making. Um, 
and it is also up to our, you know, our government and our, you know, our leaders and politicians and the people that we vote into office to protect us from things like pollution and microplastics and we need to speak up and ask them to be a part of this conversation as well and be on the side of the people and the planet and not the profit and the corporations and so the responsibility lies a little bit with everyone but it really is uh, us taking a look at our culture and the way that we um, bring things and products into our life. Definitely and I really liked what you're talking about is not seeing ourselves as consumers but rather as citizens and I, I never really thought about it like that before but thinking about that I really do like the idea because it really puts us more in a community-based mindset which is so important when thinking about sustainability, ethical fashion and slow fashion. It's really about thinking holistically about the impact of your choices and really seeing yourself as a citizen within this community, this global community that we're all living in, you know, especially with environmentalism, we're all connected and just do that one shirt you buy, you're immediately connected to everyone involved in the production of that shirt. So seeing yourself as a citizen, I think I'm going to really try to internalize that in my own life. I really like that thought. And so um, we talked about how you can uh, purchase clothes ethically. So something that's really uh, trending right now is thrifting, um, which is actually a surprisingly controversial topic. So how do you think people can thrift ethically without negatively impacting the communities in which they are purchasing the secondhand clothing from? Yeah, I have been reading a lot about this recently as well, because I, I, I feel conflicted um, in being a secondhand shopper myself and then um, hearing a lot about the negative impacts of people over consuming thrift items in secondhand fashion um, and sort of taking away from those who need it most and sort of disrupting the reason why the secondhand market existed in the beginning. Um, but what I'm finding in my reading is that there is still so much clothing that isn't being utilized and um, just sitting in closets or in you know factories or in shops or in stores that is just not being used. And so the amount of clothing that still exists is not truly disrupting the secondhand market in the way that we're being told that it is. And so um, not to say that, you know, thrift stores and some of these places haven't, you know, upped their prices a little bit and are, are really exploiting the, uh, the narrative shift around shopping secondhand, because um, some of that is happening. And so we, we do need to acknowledge that, you know, we don't want to take away the original goals of secondhand and, and having accessible priced clothing for people who need it most. However, um, there is still so many clothing items out there that not shopping secondhand because of that and knowing that you can um, is still uh, something that I would push people 
to just be more thoughtful about the process, but not to avoid it altogether. So some of the things that I look for when I'm thinking about my secondhand shopping approach is, um, you know, are you like, who are you buying from? Are you buying from a nonprofit thrift store who is employing, you know, underserved individuals or individuals with disabilities, such as like a Goodwill and thinking about, you know, what is the profit sharing component? Is this a charitable organization? Um, am, am I giving back by the way that I'm shopping? Um, shopping local, um, thinking about, you know, avoiding a lot of shipping um, and, and thinking a little bit more about, you know, where the clothing travels. Also, looking for individuals who are doing that flipping thrift and vintage and upping the prices by 200 percent um, kind of calling that out and saying hey that is actually the unethical process that we're seeing is people who are you know taking a six dollar shirt and then selling it for a hundred dollars like those are the things that we can kind of call out quickly and say, hey, that, that doesn't feel right and I don't want to participate in that type of secondhand market. Um, but really just focusing on um, getting individuals who are in the secondhand and thrift scene to be thinking about sustainability and ethics in the same way that we're thinking about that with traditional fashion. And so, um, I would still encourage people to shop secondhand first um, and continue to make that not a stigma in their community, but also to just be thoughtful about where they're getting things from and, and being more in conversation and community with one another. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I like what you mentioned a bit earlier too about just shopping in your closet as well. And like, there are so many clothes that we have so it's not always necessary to go to a store or even a thrift store if you have the clothes already in your closet. But no, I definitely agree with what you're saying about how if you can't shop secondhand and you consider all the things you're mentioning, it is a better mm -hmm. option. So looking at everything we've spoken about today and everything, you know, how do you see the future of the fast fashion, fast fashion industry going? Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard to predict. Um, and the fashion industry, I think with the current circumstances of the pandemic um, and all of us slowing down as a culture, uh, slowing down our buying, um, they have seen a lot of challenges in, um, in that process and a lot of issues are coming to light in fast fashion um, and in the fashion industry in general. So not just thinking about consumption and you know, labor ethics, but also in diversity and inclusion issues um, and representation. There is still so many issues of lack of representation um, and ethical representation in the fashion industry. And I have a lot of fears that fashion will try and bounce back and return to the normalcy of before making us feel like we're not enough, that we need to have more, um, especially because we're all vulnerable right now, um, emotionally and tired. And so fashion can be an amazing tool 
tool for uplifting and connecting our, ourselves to, to our identities. And it's my hope that people will have taken this time to really think about what they actually need and find other alternatives to, to find that need. But I know that fast fashion will try um, and, and kind of get us to go back to the way things were before. But what I am hopeful for is that individuals such as yourselves, um, you know, Gen Z millennials are, are calling for the changes that they want to see in brands and saying enough is enough. Um, we expect more from you. Um, there are amazing campaigns out there that are calling out the problems in fashion, such as the pay up campaign that was put together by Remake, um, the fashion revolution industry um, index report that you had talked about earlier. There is more transparency. We're calling for more and brands are responding because they have to. And if we can continue that momentum and demand the change that we want to see, I think, you know, the industry could make some really powerful shifts. But if we're not watching and we're not um, calling it out and careful, of course, they're going to want to go back to the easy route the way that things were before. Um, and so I think there's, there's, I'm hope, I'm hopefully um, optimistic that we'll be able to continue to pressure the change that we want to see. Um, and I'm glad that you are both here uh, spearheading that conversation. Thank you. You know, as with any large industry, the fashion industry is so powerful. It's estimated to be worth $2.5 trillion. And even though there's another estimated uh, $180 billion available just through sustainable changes in the fashion industry, these huge corporations, that's not a convenient change and that's not an immediately economically beneficial change for them. So I think, you know, for a lot of consumers with these huge budgets of marketing and lobbying and just huge amounts of control within these industries that we don't often think about the cards are stacked against a lot of consumers and i think that's one reason as you were saying why it's just so important to be having these conversations and to become aware for us to become aware as citizens of the fashion industry as we talked about that's one of the most important things you can do i think as members of this planet yeah, definitely. And I know you mentioned this before. I mean, fashion is supposed to be something that's fun and allows you to express your identity and show who you are. And I definitely think it can still be that while being sustainable, while being ethical and as citizens and as just people and the, and the corporations as well. I think we need to try and get to a place where people can still have fun with it. People can still experiment with different styles, but in a way that doesn't harm the people and the planet. Um, but yeah, I think that is all we have time for today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ashlyn, for being here with us today. It's been a wonderful conversation. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.